Welcome GBA members. My name is Meredith Beeson. Welcome to the latest episode of State Snapshots, where we take a look at issues happening across the country. We're very excited to have Jeff Berkowitz, who is the founder and CEO of Delve. We're going to be deep diving on some sanctions uh, related topics, including divestment strategies and other activist tactics. But we're very excited to have you, Jeff. And can you just say hello and share a little bit more about your work at Delve? Yeah, hi. Thanks, Meredith. Uh, appreciate being here. You know, Delve is a competitive intelligence firm specifically focused on helping companies and industries navigate public affairs challenges. Uh, a lot of your companies are are probably use, using competitive intelligence in go-to-market strategies, supply chain, understanding their competitors. Well, we help their public affairs and government relations professionals have that same sort of information advantage as they navigate through political and rep risk, uh, reputational risks and, and opportunities. Great. Well, we'll come back to um, some other topics and issues throughout our podcast today. But thank you again for being here, Jeff. Uh, GBA recently hosted a state government affairs conference, and we talked about some of these issues related to state level sanctions activity, including resolutions and even some message sending resolutions in states. So both divestment and boycott strategies have been used uh, by many different activist groups. And this includes some strategies going after both city and state investments, such as those related to retirement pensions and even more kind of message sending resolutions or urging the federal government to take certain actions. So, Jeff, as someone who watches this activist kind of strategy closely, can you share more about what you're seeing with these boycott and divestment trends? Sure. You know, this is a, a really important topic. You know, obviously boycotts have been with us for a long time, but really over the last 10 or 20 years, you've seen this growth in this push for divestment. And it's a multidimensional um, you know, group because there's a, there's a what seem like a bunch of disparate causes that they focus on. Um, but it's often the same group of folks that are within each of these movements. So you see it, you know, certainly you have the movement uh, to divest from Israel, you have um, you know, movements to divest from areas like you know, China, particularly the, the Uyghur region, Sudan, but you also have it on broader areas like industry sectors, like you know, fossil fuels, petrochemicals, plastic bags, private prisons, anything that there's a group of folks that don't like certain practices or uh, efforts, you see these movements form. And what's really different is they become very sophisticated and professionalized. They understand that pension funds at the city, state, federal level, um, within large university endowments, are these institutional investors can really sway policy uh, and positions in a lot of different ways. And so that's what, you know, it's it's the old line to follow the money. That's what they're doing. And so that's where they're bringing the pressure about. Great. That's a really helpful overview. And I know there's kind of legislative and resolutions as well as more activist practices. So I think that's helpful to kind of get a nice landscape review. Now let's talk about one of the more recent trends that we've seen crop up, and you mentioned the boycott divestment sanctions movement, which I know is specific to some of the Israel and Palestine uh, issues, and including kind of contested lands and operations of companies on both sides of the equation here, either pro-Israel or pro-Palestine. So can you share a little bit more about this specific trends within the BDS movement and what our companies should be keeping a close eye on? 
Yeah, over the last 10 years, you've seen a, a huge growth in um, the campaign to pressure uh, universities, uh, pension funds, uh, cities, states, uh, companies to divest from uh, Israel. And, you know, it's very hard, as it often is when anytime you're dealing with issues of ethnicity and religion, it, it's fraught with peril in how do you separate particular practices or actions that you may not like from you know the group that you're targeting and I and and particularly within this movement you know as you look at who's behind it it, it becomes even harder to separate those things and so um, you know while you have a, a desire particularly on the the left in the US to try and change the nature of the US Israel relationship particularly through this BDS movement, those that are under pressure to do so have to be careful because in the last five years in particular, we've seen a counter movement grow um, where Jewish community, the, you know, the pro, pro-Israel community, which is much larger than, than just the Jewish you know, population in the, the United States. There's a huge evangelical community that has a strong affinity for Israel. There are a lot of, a lot of folks that see them as an important ally in the Middle East, uh, another democracy. So you see a lot of local officials, state officials saying, well, we're, we don't want to do business with those that don't want to do Israel. And so now you're seeing companies uh, caught in the middle more and more, not on this issue, but on a lot of issues, as our country really is you know, a, a uh, 50-50 country in terms of, of political sentiments. Um, you know, it's hard to please everybody on, a, on these issues. And this is a great example of where every action has a reaction and companies have to tread carefully. Yeah, and I think we're shifting away from kind of a Trump administration approach into a new Biden strategies in terms of sanctions. Well, sometimes they seem similar. I think that will be interesting to watch its implications on the state and local side, uh, to your point on kind of like the political messaging uh, that some state policymakers and other local elected officials might take. Let's switch gears a little bit. You know, thanks for that overview on BDS again, which is the boycott divestment sanctions movement, which is specific to kind of the Israel-Palestine piece of this. But we also heard early last week that there had been a military takeover in Sudan. So I know that, you know, previously speaking, uh, GBA had engaged on some of these state level sanction issues related to Sudan especially when it came to certain companies being listed or published publicly who are doing business or had operations in Sudan and precluded them or prohibited them from, you know, competing for contracts uh, for state procurement. So just curious, any insights on uh, Sudan? And, you know, I know this is a little bit more of a humanitarian focused boycott and divestment strategy, but um, what has happened in Sudan and, and kind of how, how do you see state's potential responses to some of the federal action or maybe inaction uh, in terms of U.S. sanctions? Yeah, so, yeah, this is a, it's a great example of, of where, you know, something that was an issue a long time ago, you know, when I was in the White House and the Bush administration, the State Department, we were working on Darfur and Sudan and a lot of these human rights issues. So it hasn't been in the news as much. Um, you had a peace accord, you had, you know, you had structures put in place, but you have to constantly watch 
you know, not just what's happening at the, the local level in politics, but but geopolitically, you have to understand what what's ha- you know what's happening and what are those implications for you as a company. And this is a great example of that. You know, China with the the Uyghur situation is another one where you know American consumers and the and the American uh, political sphere is very sensitive to some of these uh, human rights and issues. And they are going to take actions, whether they're sometimes it will be in the form of a resolution. Sometimes it'll be actual legislation with an, with an impact behind it. You know, and, and companies need to to think about how how they'll be scrutinized. You know, if they're in, invested in that, you know, these things can crop up in unusual places. You know, back uh, 2010-11 during Dodd-Frank, you had you know, conflict mineral provisions put in place in the the uh, financial regulations, you know, wasn't necessarily at the core of the bill, but it has an impact for a lot of folks to think through that supply chain. And that can impact a lot of different sectors, even, you know, agricultural sector, whether it's, you know, coffee and cocoa beans and, and child labor and human trafficking. You know, a lot of these issues, you know, they, they stay with us and consumers are becoming more mindful of it. Consumers also happen to often be voters, uh, which means politicians are mindful of it as well. Yeah, I appreciate kind of the different industry call-outs because we obviously have multiple industries within GBA. Really helpful. And maybe just kind of a follow-up question and in terms of what you anticipate some of these high-pressure public affairs campaigns to look like in the coming years. You've outlined a few. We know that climate change isn't going anywhere. We know that even conversations related to kind of federal prisons might shift more into community police relationships. Uh, but any final observations on where these public pressure campaigns might be headed? Yeah. So when we look at the the public pressure campaigns, you know, first I think it's important to step back and really think about where what's driving this. And 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 it's you know sometimes no good deed goes unpunished. Um, you know, and the reality is that today CEOs, corporate leaders, are some of the most trusted voices in uh, the public arena. You know, politicians are not trusted or they're only trusted by 40 or 50 percent of the population and detested by the other half. The news media has lost tremendous amounts of credibility. The real thought leaders today are corporate leaders, which means they're expected to engage on social issues, political issues, human rights issues, a broad range of issues that are way outside of what they might think about in terms of business operations. That trend is converging with as I mentioned earlier, highly professionalized, sophisticated activist operations. These are not just folks that are clicking on something on the internet and and sending an email to their congressman. These are are organized, thoughtful, coordinated efforts, and they know how to, where the pressure points are for companies. They're looking at supply chain. They're looking at retail partners. They're looking at investors. They're looking at you know where where capital comes from. In these days, your employees are are engaging on that as well. So talent recruitment retention, everybody's looking at how are you acting as a core you know as a corporate uh, entity regarding a whole range of these issues. And so you have to be thoughtful about how you approach these different concerns and address them. Uh, with an understanding of who all those different stakeholders are and, and what do they care about and how to how much of an impact can they have on your interests? 
That is a great overview, Jeff, and we really appreciate the time today. Before we wrap up, I always like to end my state snapshots with one fun question, which is what is a GBA member product or service that you've used in the last month? Yeah, so I and I know you told me you wanted, you know, really challenged me to find something. So I'm not I'm gonna go beyond Nestle and the fine products that we were handing out a, a week ago on Halloween. And I'm gonna say that one of the uh, GBA members that's getting a lot of money from us right now, we're undergoing a home renovation. So we're sending a lot of money to Ferguson and build.com uh, because you know, we're redoing bathrooms and, and they are just a, a plumbing superstore and, and actually never realized that they were, uh, they were not a US based company until I saw them on your, your member list. But we're we're big fans of them and and their customer service is great when uh, we're trying to navigate these challenging supply chains to to keep the renovation going. Well, great pick, Jeff. I we definitely have not had Ferguson uh, be be a part of our state snapshots shout out. So extra points to you. Uh, thank you again, Jeff Berkowitz, uh, CEO and founder of Delve for joining us today at State Snapshots. And I know that you recently came out with an ebook, so I want you to, to make a plug for that as it's very relevant to the infrastructure debate happening at the federal level. But over to you to just share a little bit more about Delve's latest ebook. Yeah, thanks. So, we, so a few weeks ago, we published Digging In, uh, Why Infrastructure Week Just Won't End. Uh, and it's the ebook that digs into you know, what we think are the are 10 public affairs fights that are underneath the headlines of the, the infrastructure bill. You know, a lot of folks, they're, they're looking at the debate and back and forth on moderates versus progressives and what should the price tag be. But the reality is what makes it so hard to get the, this infrastructure bill that's become almost a white whale of presidents and congresses over the past couple of decades is that we haven't settled the debates about how do you implement these things, right? You know, if you if you start to if you give money for energy infrastructure, what kind of an energy infrastructure? Where does it get built? It's harder than ever to build energy projects, even if they're clean and clean and green projects uh, in some of those technologies. Broadband, you know, that those investments, um, even in even some industries have ended up just being targeted as pay fors, um, you know, like the the crypto folks and and um, you know the pharmaceutical companies. So so many different industries get impacted by this. And the only thing that will be more challenging than getting the bill passed is implementing it and getting all that money out to the states and local governments and to private sector partners to make investments. And so we wanted to take a step back and map some of that out so that people can think about uh, what comes next. Well, as a state government affairs person, I always appreciate the connections to states and implications for policymakers. One of the things that we've started to talk about, too, especially with companies that are interested in, you know, looking at procurement opportunities in states, you know, are limited global supply chain shortages, ability to source needed resources and materials for some of these upcoming building projects, which all states will be competing for at the same time. So can't wait to dig in to the report. Uh, but Jeff, thank you again. Uh, Jeff Berkowitz, CEO of Delve, for joining us today. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on early in 2022. Thanks for having me on.